Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try to sell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Were your parents morons too? Savvy entrepreneur to the rescue! Congratulations, that really turned out well. I'm a really good job. I'm really, really, I'm surprised. You know, I wish I'd thought of that. I never thought of even one bit. How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here to your I wish I had the courage to follow my friends. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. We're broadcasting here on WLCB 101.5 FM, based in the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. If you're an entrepreneur or a small business person or thinking about becoming one, this show is for you. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I'm a crazy entrepreneur myself. I love helping other entrepreneurs. I've counseled lots of startups and small businesses, and I'm a serial entrepreneur too. And boy, have I seen a lot of mistakes and made a lot of mistakes. The Savvy Entrepreneur Show really has two goals, to share helpful information and resources, and two, to inspire you to make your journey maybe a little faster and maybe a little easier, and hopefully a little bit more fun. To help with that, I have guests every week on the show who are willing to share their stories and advice. And this week's guest is Stephen Clayton who's here to share what he calls his 80-20 rule of digital marketing, focusing on the 20% of digital marketing efforts that produce 80% of the most important and impactful results. Wow, what an important topic. I can't wait to hear what Stephen has to say and his suggestions because so many businesses, certainly small ones, it seems to me either avoid digital marketing because it is overwhelming sometimes. Or they're like me, who've tried all sorts of different platforms, trying to see what sticks, but you know, only to find that you can easily spend your entire day, every day, on digital marketing without necessarily getting much of an immediate return. Now, first, just a few words about Stephen. He's the founder and CEO of a company called NetBlaze, which is a digital marketing solution for small businesses. So the perfect person to address this topic today. He's worked in the information systems field within corporate America. And Stephen, I love how you capitalize corporate America, just like I do. For 19 years, he had many roles during that time, including chief information officer for a public company. And he ended his corporate career as a vice president for a Fortune 500 company. After leaving corporate America, he became a serial entrepreneur. He started or co-founded six different startups, four of which are in business today. The oldest is more than a decade old, and they're running profitably. And his companies employ more than 60 people all around the world. He grew up in a small town in New Jersey. He currently splits his time between Chicago, EA Chicago, and Hilton Head, South Carolina. He's married with two adult children, and he has lots of hobbies and interests, including golfing, boating, auto racing, and traveling. Wow, that sounds like fun. So, Stephen, thanks so much for being on the show today. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, I am absolutely, as I said, psyched to have you here because 
Boy, oh boy, social media, digital marketing, I think is a giant mystery or a giant black hole for a lot of small businesses. But before we get into that, I'd like you to start just talking a little bit about NetBlaze and why you started the company, when and how. I mean, tell us the story behind it. Well, you know, NetBlaze is really designed to be you know, to solve that problem that you just outlined, that it's such a frustrating problem for small business owners. And so, you know, what we envision NetBlaze uh, to be is that one-stop solution, you know, for local small business digital marketing needs. And and the idea is for it to be easy, everything in one place and cheap. You know, that's another thing, because as we all know, you know, I know most of us do all sorts of startups, you know, we're bootstrapping them ourselves and there's not a lot of money to go around. So, you know, this is a this is a population, again, as you said, and I, and I would absolutely concur that these small business owners is just a frustrated population when it comes to to digital marketing. Uh, they're confused. There's a lot of stress because they know, you know, it, it, it's a strange paradox because small business owners know that digital marketing is very, very important because they know how they find companies to do business with. They go on Google, right. you know, right? right. Use all that sort of stuff. But so they know it's important. But on the other hand, there's so much confusion about what should I be doing? How much of it should I be doing? What should I focus on? And that's, you know, what we started to see because because all of our businesses are built on digital marketing. They're all sort of virtual kind of companies that rely on only digital marketing, not foot traffic or anything like that. So we sort of grew up in that area over the last 15 years. And when we talk to small business owners and they, they find out what, what we do, they're just like, oh, geez, I've got, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you help me? <laughs> I, started, I ended up feeling like the doctor at a dinner party and everybody wants to, you know, show me their rash. Like, is this something I should be worried about? You know? And <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's, that, that, that's kind of how it, feel, you know, it started to feel like. So around four or five years ago, myself and some of my business partners, we got together and we said, all right, what would help look like for small business owners? And, you know, and that's when we started to brainstorm and develop our, our SaaS application and, and how NetBlaze really took shape. Um, and then I ran with it. And a couple of years ago, we, we went to market with, uh, with our, our current product. Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear more about it, but I'm curious, as I say, this isn't your first rodeo. It's obvious from the introduction You've had a lot of different roles in your career. What would you say that you learned from your past experiences that led you to NetBlaze and has helped you build it successfully? I think, you know, it it, it really came out of, you know, us starting and spending 15 years of, of learning in gory detail the ins and outs of digital marketing. And that was the biggest thing. You know, when when I left corporate, I said, okay, I I want to I want to start building online businesses, and and again, this was kind of before it was even as popular, you know, as it is now. And you know, because I had an IT background, it was kind of a nice mix of IT plus sales and marketing. And mm-hmm. I actually spent my first few months before I even developed any companies or anything writing software that you know tracked online advertising, direct response. And that was a huge thing. Yeah. So I sort of took all of that corporate IT experience and it was a great time because it was the beginning of 
the internet boom and building these online businesses and e-commerce sites and all that sort of stuff. And so I put all those things together and went off and, you know, spent the next uh, 15 years uh, building online companies, right? But during that time is when I started to have a lot of interaction with small local business owners just within my own network. And that's when it hit me that, geez, these guys are are really struggling. They know how important it is, but they just have no idea what they should be focused on. So I started working with quite a number of them, you know, just started out as just friendly help um, and then grew into sort of a consulting business. But yeah, but, as but you're saying, you have to figure out how to scale it and how to help more. Yeah, people. Yeah, that's kind of where yeah, we're yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and we'll we'll talk about that as as we get into some of these topics, because you make it sound easy to do, but it's I suspect it's not quite that easy. You're a proponent of the 80-20 rule. You know, I think we both agree companies really need to invest in digital marketing. These, But as you say, it's really overwhelming for a lot of them. What does the 80-20 rule mean for you? So, I mean, the obvious, you know, the the, the idea behind an 80-20 rule is you pick those 20% of things that give you the, the 80% of the return on investment, you know, the best bang for your buck. So that's the concept. But what are those things? And it, it's so important with digital marketing because it's so easy to get distracted by lots and lots of different things that do not matter. You know, like, like the local <laughs> guy tweeting, you know. Right. The bright shiny object syndrome, which a lot of us entrepreneurs are guilty of to begin with. Yeah, exactly. So what's the 80-20 rule? It specifically, it's worrying about a set of things within digital marketing and doing them well. And those things are your website, search engine optimization. And specifically what I mean by that is the strategies and tactics that you you can employ to show up when people type into Google, if you're a pizza place, pizza places near me, right? We've all done yeah. that. That's how we find businesses. And, you know, you want to show up in that map, in the three pack, the six pack, whatever people are looking at, you want to show up on their phone and all that kind of stuff. So the website, search engine optimization, showing up, reputation management, making sure that you are getting reviews across the different places that you need to. At the very least, you better be getting them in, in Google, in Facebook, in Yelp, maybe TripAdvisor, kind of depends a little bit on what your business is. So getting reviews, but also making sure that you respond to reviews and being aware of like, oh, I've got a four-star rating on Facebook. CRM, you know, customer relationship management solution, which is a fancy way of just saying, look, you better have a way to reach out to your customers through email and text and or text, mm -hmm. just to be able to communicate with them, to be able to right. say, hey, I'm running a special. Hey, I've got, I've got a, a sale going on or I've got a new product or whatever it is, right? Right. Right. Um, Keeping top of mind with potential customers and existing customers. Exactly. And then finally, social media strategy for Facebook and focusing pretty much only on Facebook. There are some exceptions to that. Sometimes Instagram is. a. And, and by the way, I'm not trying to suggest that, well, Instagram is useless or YouTube is useless or Twitter is useless. It's not that they're useless. But if I'm the local pizza guy, I've got enough to do right to worry about my website. SEO, reputation management, a CRM system, and a social media strategy for Facebook. I'm not sure that 
realistically, even if I offload, you know, outsource all of that to a company like Netblaze, that I can really focus on anything else. And, and that's okay, because, right. because those things are what give us 80 or perhaps even much more than 80% of the benefit. So, yeah. so that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the 80-20 rule for digital marketing for small business. Well, that certainly resonates with me. Uh, as I alluded to in the introduction, I can personally attest that it is really quite easy to spend entire days doing digital marketing on different platforms and not necessarily having much to show for it, at least in the short term. Um, I think there are some kinds of professional service businesses in particular that, you know, I don't know if search engine optimization is is as important as it is just being in front of client, the right kind of clients at the right time, which is a challenge. But, you know, you, you may challenge me on that. So you've already addressed where small business should, should start. I guess there's probably two kinds of businesses you deal with. One is is maybe new businesses, and that's probably the most fun work because you can help them build their foundation right from the beginning. But I'm sure a lot more of them already have or have been doing something. And so how do you how do you help a business that's already doing things? They already have a website, they already are doing maybe some tweeting or have a Facebook page or whatever. How do you help them prioritize what they need to do on a limited budget? Yeah, you know, in my experience, it's it's not dramatically different from new businesses because in my experience, most people are not doing the 20% well. Um, (laughs) I mean, they they just, they they built a website 10 years ago and it was probably their brother-in-law in his basement who built it, which was fine 10 years ago, but now doesn't show properly on a mobile device, which is a death nail. If you don't show up on a mobile device, not only are you not going to have a pleasant experience for, you know, a potential customer, but you're also not going to show up in the search engine results because Google makes a point of saying, look, if your website doesn't show up, you know, appropriately on a mobile device, I'm not even going to bother presenting you to people who are searching for pizza places near them. So they just, to me, it's not much different. I, you know, when we when we start talking to a customer, a new customer, regardless of whether they're new or an existing business, we just go back to this 20%. We've got to nail the website. It's got to be a good quality website with, uh, and, and it has to show up effectively on mobile. And it has to load quickly too. That's yes. that's a problem I've had with my own site. And yep. I've seen with others is that you just it takes too long to load. You're just you're gone. Yes. But not only and again, this is another one of those examples with Google. If it takes too long to load, people are just out of there. But it also will not show up in the search engine rankings. Google switched over the last 20 years. They've had quite an evolution. And they've moved a lot more towards understanding the quality of websites to decide how they will show them or if they will show them in the search engine rankings. And if you've got a website that takes, you know, two minutes to load, you're (laughs) never going to show up when people search for pizza places near you. Right. So those things are devastating because it's as if there's 
there's some, you know, you start a new business and you, you know, 30 years ago and you're not allowed to get in the yellow pages. Well, good luck with that. You know, right. so we just go, we work this, we, we beat this 80, 20 rule thing to death because we find that's the, that's the thing to, to keep people focused and to answer any questions like, well, should I tweet? Well, is your last name Kardashian? If it's not, then no, you shouldn't tweet. Let's worry about website, SEO, reputation management, CRM, and your social media strategy for Facebook. And in my experience, it is the rare company that has nailed all of those. And until you nail all of those, I don't think you should even be thinking about anything else, which would even include paid advertising and things like that. Interesting, interesting. Well, so I think there are still some businesses out there I've actually talked to a couple of them who I say, you know, can I tell listeners your website? And they say, well, I don't have one. So there are still businesses who don't really believe in digital marketing. Yeah. What statistics, what advice, what anecdotes can you share with them to perhaps push them off the fence? Sure. Well, first of all, you're right. You know, depending on what study you look at, some 20 to 30 percent still in 2020 of businesses don't have websites, <laughs> which just blows me away. Well, some will say I have a Facebook page and that's good enough. I don't yeah. know if it is or it's not. Definitely not. How many times are you searching for a plumber and uh, you find his Facebook page when you type in <laughs> plumber near me? No, that's a good point. Never. That would be yeah. a never. So. So, yeah, I mean, look, this would be the equivalent question of 30 years ago saying, you know, do I really need to be in those pesky yellow pages? I mean, (laughs) really, four out of five consumers use Google to find local businesses. I don't know what the fifth person does, but but four (laughs) out of five do. Ninety seven percent of people now find out more about a local company online than anywhere else, including talking to friends and relatives. 91% 91% of 18 to 34-year-olds, which will become 40 to 50-year-olds, and trust online reviews as much as personal recommendations. Wow. Um, That's insane. It's crazy. 75% of consumers make judgments on a company's credibility based on their website alone. It's crazy. And, but here's, here's, I think, the, the most telling thing when I encounter somebody who says something like that. I just asked them, look, if you just were vacationing somewhere and you wanted to go out for Mexican food, how do you find a Mexican restaurant? I'm like, oh, that's easy. I just go into Google and I type in a Mexican restaurant near me. I'm like, okay, (laughs) why are we having this conversation? Right, exactly. You know, for me personally, I think one of the problems is that as a small business person, I think a lot of people were like me. You know you need to invest in digital marketing, and you know you probably need some help because as much as you can go to seminars about LinkedIn networking and, you know, all the different platforms, for most small business people, it's not their core competency. It's really not what they should be spending most of their days doing, but one of the challenges I've found is that there are so many social media consultants out there. And a lot of them, in my experience, are certainly well-intentioned. They may have a very happy and enthusiastic client base, but a lot of them, in my experience, either 
don't seem to have the full picture of what they need to be focusing on, or they're really good at one thing. So, you know, I'll just give you an example. I was looking for some help and one of them said, oh, your branding and your colors, you need to start with that. You have to redo that because that's just not right. And I thought, oh, wow, I, okay, I, I don't know, is that right? And then, so I thought, well, I'll talk to some more. And another person was like, you know, you got to really focus on SEO. You know, your website looks nice, but you got to invest in SEO. And, you know, I, I, I kind of scratched my head and thought, well, I'm, that might be right, too. I, I just don't know. So, yeah. you know, so my, my point is kind of long-winded point is that there's an awful lot of consultants out there who are well-intentioned and maybe know their their lane really yep. well, but don't necessarily have the whole picture. And so finding a good advisor, I think, is a, really a challenge. Yeah. Any thoughts mm-hmm. about that? Well, I agree. I mean, I mean, 100% with everything you said. I, I think what's important, in my opinion, is to find someone who understands the the whole bigger picture and that all of these things work together. It's not enough to have a good website. You know, it, it, I think it used to be that people people would, we call these folks the build it and they will come folks. I'm mm-hmm. gonna spend all of my time and energy and build the perfect website and then sit back and watch the business roll in. Right. So that's just one component. So I think first thing is that you've got to find people that are looking at all of these things together and have one cohesive strategy. And they may have a different, you know, opinion of what the 20% you should focus on. But for us, again, it's all that website, SEO, rep management, CRM, social media strategy, all that stuff has to work together and become your, you know, your digital marketing strategy. So I think that's, that's number one. The second thing is I think that a lot of these folks focus solely, and I think you were alluding to this, solely on tactics. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that I post on Tuesdays on Facebooks because I know that that gets the best engagement from soccer moms in the Midwest. You know, so they're they're sort of heads down, very tactical, as you said, in their lane. But what I find is that that's not really what most small local businesses needs. Again, that's that's getting into this other percentage of things that don't add a lot of value. What you yeah. want are people that talk about the goals. And specifically, if somebody's not talking to you about making sure and measuring that you're getting new customers, that you're keeping existing customers, and that you're increasing your average order value, whether that's product or services, if they're not focused and helping you focus on one or all of those three things in any of their proposals and strategies, then they're not the right person. <laughs> well, it's funny. Uh, I work with a couple of not-for-profits at this point in my career, just as a way of giving back. And I had a conversation with the public relations director of one of them just last night. And she was like, well, we need to keep posting on Facebook every Tuesday because Look at how how many likes we have now. And, you know, I asked her, I said, well, so do we have any way of translating and knowing whether all those likes 
are they translating into more donors, more more sponsors or more tickets being sold? She says, well, I, I have no idea, but this is just great that we have, you know, we have so many more likes now and yep. shares. She goes, this is great. And I go, I don't know if it's great or not. I mean, to me, if it's not, it's not selling tickets or it's not increasing the amount of sponsors, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Measuring is another huge thing and one that I probably should add to my 80-20 rule because the the place this really shows up is in paid advertising. It, you know, you can go to someone and they're like, I need to do some paid advertising to get, you know, law, law firms are good for this. And, and you, you ask people, okay, well, how much can you pay to get a customer? Oh, I don't know, about 50 bucks. And I say, well, okay, well, what are you basing that on? <laughs> like, you know, like, what's the lifetime value of a customer? Oh, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well. A couple hundred thousand dollars, yeah. Like, yeah I mean, if you don't know that, then how do you know? And, and lawyers are my favorite thing with that because as you start to dive deeper, you start to they start to realize, oh, lifetime value of a customer could be thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. So I'm like, okay, well, it's not $50 to get a customer. You can spend $5,000 to get a customer yeah. and you still make 100% ROI. Yeah. But people yeah. don't think like that, you know, yeah. and, and they have to. Well, I hate to do this because I can't wait to hear more. And I've got a million more questions. But Stephen, we need to take a quick break right now for station identification and a word from a few of our sponsors. This is Doris Nagel, and you're listening to The Savvy Entrepreneur Show. We're here this week with Stephen Clayton, our guest, who's the founder and CEO of a company called NetBlaze, which is a digital marketing company. And Stephen is here to talk about something so, so, so important, which is the 80-20 rule of digital marketing to help make sure that businesses like yours and like mine spend their limited time and resources wisely to get the best bang for that investment. So, uh, Stephen, before the break, we were talking about how a lot of people don't focus on the measurement or focus maybe on the wrong measurement. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I think with anything that you do, I think that we we sort of intuitively are looking to see, am I getting results? And a lot of the times it's very easy. You know, you're sitting there and you're putting effort into building something and, and suddenly it takes shape in front of you. And so you can sort of see a cause and effect. And it's kind of one of these dirty little secrets of digital marketing that a lot of these things are harder to see. Let me give you a, a specific example. A customer calls in to a company and becomes a prospect of some kind. Well, how did that customer find the business? How do we know what, which marketing effort, if any, prompted that person to call? It could be that they, you know, again, years and years ago, it could be that they just found you in the yellow pages. Could be that they uh -huh. found you on Facebook. Could be they found you in Yelp. Search engine optimization, could, you know, they found you in Google. And people tend to just go, oh, it's too hard to figure out how to track that. But first of all, it's, it's not. It, it isn't easy. I'll give you that. But it is something that you really do need to, to track as best you can. You know, one small example is you can have different phone numbers, actually, for different uh, sources, right, that all actually just forward to your main number. But you can get statistics 
So we do this quite a bit for with paid advertising. You can get statistics that show what number people are calling. And you'll you'll actually see this on TV commercials. Like infomercials are famous for this where, you know, they'll they'll say and go to slash TV 45 or something. You know, you'll sometimes still see that kind of stuff. And it's because they're tracking which commercials are sending people to to a website or something. So anyway, long-winded answer there, but it's really, really important to try really hard to both measure the improvement over time. So we measure things like uh, how many people are, are finding us in searches online? How many people are finding local business, your local business? How many people are pushing the call button? Uh, how many people are, are looking and reading the reviews? You know, that sort of thing. And so it's really, really important to track those over time to see that they're improving based on your efforts. But then it's also really important to track those different channels of where people find you. You know, for example, if most of your people are finding you on Yelp, well, then you probably within your reputation management, you want to focus a lot on making sure that you're getting a lot of Yelp reviews. It doesn't mean you completely ignore Facebook, Google, TripAdvisor, but you prioritize Yelp over, you know, these other places. I'm curious, though, what do you do? So this was one of my businesses, which was professional services. And looking at where the leads were coming from, it seemed like even though we were doing lots of different kinds of outreach and social media, we were doing networking, speaking, uh, webinars, blogging, tweeting, uh, trying to find referral partners, uh, again, doing exactly what you were suggesting we not do, which is kind of like throwing a whole bunch of stuff out there and seeing what sticks. Yeah. Uh, but the disappointing part and the puzzling part was that leads were coming from all, all of those places and by about equal amounts, you know, a few from each one. So right. what, do you do, what do you do with a situation like that? What does that mean and what should you do differently? Well, I mean, you could look at the, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that could be at work there. You know, it could also be the law of small numbers there, you know, so you, you really don't have enough data, enough of a population sample to see yeah. which thing really your best avenue. You know, you could flip a coin three times and it could be heads every time. That doesn't mean you're not going to end up being tails. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. But you're probably not going to win the lottery with that strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's one thing. The other thing is then also looking at further downstream in the sales cycle, if you can. So what are the quality of those leads? You may be getting the same number of leads, but to get turn into paying customers. And so that's another thing that I would be looking at if you have a situation like that to try and prioritize. You know, other than that, it's also, it's not a bad thing. If you're getting all these leads from different places, then all of a sudden you've got an opportunity for scale. Then you can outsource and apply you know, more resources on every single one of those areas then, you know, yeah. if, if it's all really good, but it's all about the data. You know, and the other thing I've heard people say is that your effective digital marketing strategy might really depend on the kind of business or the the industry or the size of your business or maybe your budget or the delivery model. Do you think that's right? I mean, you know, for certain for example, law firms, like you mentioned, I, 
I don't know if having a Facebook page, maybe it is a good idea. I don't know. Can you comment on that? Yeah. I think it's the rare business that doesn't benefit from this 80-20 rule of you know focus. It's very, very rare. I, in fact, to be honest, I can't think of any that it wouldn't that it wouldn't apply to all of them. You know, there are some specialty kinds of things. Now, well, certainly size. Size really has no impact on this 80-20 rule, except for you know if all of a sudden you have you're you're big enough where you can have your own marketing department and your own chief marketing <laughs> officer, and then instead of the 20%, you're going to be focused on the 100%, you know, which yeah. is a whole other conversation. Yeah, right? yeah, that's a um, great problem to have. Yeah, sure, exactly. But other than that, size doesn't matter, you know, in this scenario as to what to focus on. And most of the time, the type of business doesn't really matter that much when you're talking about, look, everybody needs a website. Everybody needs to show up when people search for your type of business. Everybody needs a way to communicate with their customers. Everybody needs to manage their reputation. And, you know, Facebook, I'll give you that, you know, there might be one or two areas that it's not as important and there aren't as many things as you can share. But I think it's still a no brainer. I think where you get to certain tactics for I'll give you my favorite example is a real estate agent. So real estate agents are different in a bunch of different ways. First thing is that they usually have a website that is part of a bigger corporate you know they're right. Remax or right. you know called a banker right so they're they're right. kind of covered under that so there's that and then the other is that they have some specialty areas that they really need to advertise in like uh zillow and realtor.com you know mm -hmm. that kind of, which is very unique to their business model and i would argue that's more important often than seo if i was a real estate agent uh, or if i was counseling a real estate agent and for that reason, by the way, we think real estate agents are not a very good candidate for Netflix. Interesting. They, they just are this outlier. And if I was if I was consulting for a real estate agent, I would say, you know what, SEO is probably one of these rare times when it's really not as important for you, because most people don't find a real estate agent by Googling. Googling. They're on Zillow nowadays. They're on Realtor, and they find them right there on the sidebar. That's where they, you know, that's where they find. Uh -huh. them. You know, I'm I'm curious too about how you as a business keep up with all of the changes that are occurring. I mean, you alluded to Google's algorithms for coming up with those top hits for searches. You know, every day there's it seems like it's, I'm exaggerating, but a couple of years ago, I don't think anybody ever heard of TikTok, and before that. <laughs> Pinterest, you know, it, they're they're cropping up every day. How do you keep up with all of those changes for you and your business, and how do you help your clients do that? Well, for us, it's it's our portfolio of other companies, really. Because one example, we have a um, international e-commerce company where we manufacture products internationally, and we import them to the United States, and we actually we sell in Europe as well, and Australia, and we sell in brick and mortar stores and things like that. And so digital marketing on a national scale is way more difficult and complex than it is to help the local pizza guy. So if we sort of are worried about doing it on a national scale for several of our companies, we learn a ton um, and become pretty much stone cold experts, you know. And then, 
it's kind of like a major leaguer batting in in the minor leagues when we you know go down and start to work on local small business owners it's much easier for us and so we have a a level of expertise that really allows us to be you know really hard to beat us you know in, in that kind of an environment so i think yeah. it's that one big part of it um there's a synergy there which we've tried to build into all of our different companies the other thing is uh when you start to work with tons of different small businesses around the country you really understand what works and what the concerns are what their problems are how to help them best you know so uh, i think it's really those two things that that help us do that is there a role still for non-digital marketing do you think and if so what is that role yeah so clearly the answer is yes but the question is for who or whom i always get that um so, so I'm not, there's no grammar police on this show just <laughs> so you know. i never i never quite got that one so that's the big question for who so there are places for billboards on the side of buses there uh -huh. are places for super bowl commercials to use I, still, I still get mail from some businesses sure. so actually direct mail is making a big comeback but for most of those things and you you alluded to this a little bit when you talked about your website and colors and stuff. There's a difference between brand building and marketing. And ah, that's and, interesting. So so marketing is much more well when I think of marketing. And and believe me, everybody has their own definitions for this. So I'm not pulling out the college textbook here and giving any reasonable <laughs> definition. But but for me, when I think about marketing, it's it's tactical and it's design, it's direct response marketing to get me a result. And that result is a new customer, keeping existing customer or increasing my average order value. That's mm. part. And that's what okay. local businesses are concerned about. Mm. Brand Geico is the best example of brand building. Okay? They right. have great commercials, billboards everywhere. Do you think there's anybody sitting there going, "All right, we spent $70,000 <laughs> on this billboard. How yeah. many customers do we get from that billboard?" <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna dial right now and 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 change my insurance company based on that billboard. No, probably not, right? No. So so they don't care because that money is going towards brand building. You know, how many customers did the did the Super Bowl commercial get us? Who, who the heck knows? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there are ways that they can try to measure that. You know, before and after, they can look at the slope of curves of you know new customers and so on and so on. But in general. They don't do it for a direct result. They do it for brand building. And so for brand building, these kinds of non-digital marketing avenues, whatever they are, are still clearly viable. They have been forever, they will be forever. They may look a little different, but yeah. But not for this, but most of the time, not for the small local business owner. They're, yeah. It's just you know, that's an interesting, I love the distinction you've made there. And I guess I'm curious for, businesses, how should they invest in brand building versus marketing? And I guess some of that's kind of self-evident because if you don't have customers over the long haul, you can have the best brand, but if people don't actually see a need for the product or service, yeah. you're going to eventually go out of business. But how do you strike a balance between those? What's your advice on that? I don't think that small business owners have to strike a balance um, because they don't really have to do brand building. You know, they it's a rare small business that comes into play 
that is providing a product or service that hasn't existed before. So now I have to build a brand and make people understand that there's a need for it. I have this conversation with authors. A lot of time an author will, will come to us and say, hey, can we use NetBlaze to promote my book? And we have to tell them, look, authors are also not a good NetBlaze customer because as an author with a new book, you're trying to sell something that people aren't currently looking for. So you right. have to build a brand around yourself as an author and this book in particular. And we don't do that. That's not what we do. Interesting. Um, and you don't have to do that. You don't have to build a great brand as a pizza guy, as a plumber, as a, you know, do you have to, you know, do you, do you need to have a decent, you know, logo on your website? And does it help to have a good name and, you know, maybe a nice colorful truck? Sure. And those are all branding things, but it's not, you know, some Harvard Business School case study of building a brand. It's you and your wife getting together and saying, yeah, that looks nice. You know, I mean, it's really, about right. as, you know, it's as stressful as that. Right. Well, it's interesting because some new businesses are really selling into what I call a nascent need. So, or they, what they hope is a nascent need. So that is a challenge when you're either trying to convince people that there's a need for it, or you're trying to make some kind of analogy, or you're trying to appeal to emotion. I think that that's a different scenario than everybody knows when they want a piece of pizza and it's just who are they going to call to get their pizza from or they need a plumber. Would you agree that's kind of an important distinction? Oh, yeah. No, it's totally important. I would just also add, though, that most small local businesses are of the pizza category rather than this, you know, emerging new service or technology or product. Yeah. Um, the, as far as volume goes. Yeah. Interesting. Well, my question is for you is uh, where would you like to see NetBlaze in five years and how do you envision it growing? And I guess part of that question, as you alluded to, is scaling. What's your vision for scaling the business? Well, scaling is really, you know, just a matter of working the, the different channels of getting leads and just like any small business would do. And, you know, making them as efficient as possible and then doubling down on those that work. And, you know, we're always running all sorts of different, you know, we call them funnels and whether those are in-person sales reps or obviously digital marketing efforts or paid advertising efforts. We have uh, other kinds of, you know, like like uh, networking events at at trade shows and all that sort of stuff. So that's kind of just block and tackle stuff. I think what's more interesting is my vision for what NetBlaze could do as a platform in the future. And for me, I want it to be more of a, almost like if you think about it, years ago, the code name <laughs> for this was uh, Madison when we were developing the software. And what I wanted was almost a Siri, a, a marketing Siri for a small business owner. And so if you sort of envision, let's say that five years from now, the NetBlaze platform has pick a number, 3,000 restaurants all across the country as part of its portfolio of customers. And then further imagine that NetBlaze knows pretty easily where in the country it's raining tonight and it knows it's Friday and it knows that it's a restaurant that serves dinner. So it then goes out and emails all the restaurant owners on Friday afternoon 
that that fit that category. Oh and wow! This is hey, like marrying Spot Hero with. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, say, Google Maps with with social media, right? Right, right. And it can say something like, "Hey, look, it's going to rain tonight. You know, and I know that 20% reduction in covers happens when it rains. So, would you like me to send out an email and a text to all of your customers saying the following: Rainy Day Special." Uh, you know, come in by 6 p.m. and get a free dessert or whatever. And right. all, the, all the business owner would have to do is just say, yes, click yes. And NetBlaze does it. So wow, that's my vision for where we can get to, which is being much more proactive. Yeah. Um, you know, once we've got the 20% nailed, then mm -hmm. we've got this opportunity to apply some artificial intelligence and some best practices across all of these different companies, you know, all around the country, and very, uh, very you know, cool. combine that with real, real world, world data, and 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 have an effective, proactive strategy. The possibilities are kind of staggering, and um, you know, I suppose at some some level, it's starting to happen on the internet, but it hasn't really gone out beyond the internet. So I was looking at shoes the other day and then I went to another website and somehow Mr. Internet or Mrs. Internet knew that I had been looking at shoes. And so I got some pop-ups about shoes, even as I was searching other websites. But I think you're talking about taking that general concept almost and taking it off the internet into the real world. Yes, yep. Very cool. Well, any parting words of advice for small businesses in terms of rethinking, maybe recalibrating their digital marketing? Because I'm pretty sure that a lot of them are not spending their money today as efficiently as they could. Yeah, I, I think everybody needs to sort of take a step back and understand that hope is not a marketing strategy, you know, and, and you know, you, you alluded to that before with throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. It doesn't have to be this mysterious thing that you're worried about. If you just focus on those core things that I was talking about, you can give yourself a break and not have to worry about tweeting or TikTok or, you know, any of that stuff. Um, right. And trying to learn Instagram and then, yeah. Making sure you remember, oh, my God, it's Tuesday. I've got to do my Facebook posts. And right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's Wednesday, and I haven't done my LinkedIn blog. Yep. <laughs> Before you know it, your head is exploding. Yeah, exactly. And think to yourself, like, always put yourself in, in your customer's shoes. I mean, honestly, how many blogs are most people reading when they're looking for a plumber or a pizza place? I'm going to say the answer is pretty low. Uh, you know, I, I mean, really just think about your own experiences when you're looking for a company that's perhaps similar to the one that you're, you're starting. What do you right. do? Right. And even professional services, I'd say that's the case. I mean, yeah. you know, they say to people, people who are blogging experts or write, you know, ghost blog posts say, well, you've got to stay top of mind. But the fact of the matter is, is that if I need a tax lawyer to help me, I'm not going to go to LinkedIn and go see who wrote some great tax blogs. I'm, you know, I'm going to call my accountant or I'm going to call some yeah. friends or whatever, you know. Or you're going to, or you're going to read some incredible reviews that have been left right. 
And, right. and so that's the that's the big thing that professional services people can invest in. It's much, much yeah. more valuable to have that, yeah. you know, than it is a blog that you're writing. Yeah. Well, not to mention, it's a lot less time consuming. I can tell you from personal experience. Yeah. It takes a lot of time to write a thoughtful blog. It really does take a yes. lot of time. So if you're going to do it, either do it because you love it and right. you just can't help yourself or stop yourself and think about the question and answer the questions that you've just asked before you do it. Phenomenal advice. Yeah, Stephen, we're we're almost out of time, but I have to ask you one last question, which is an important one, which is that how should people reach you if they're interested in learning more about what NetPlace has to offer or just chatting with you about digital marketing or some of the things we've talked about today? How would you recommend they, they reach you? Best place is our website. <laughs> Not ironically. <laughs> Uh, netplace.com. There you yeah. go. B L A Z E.com. All right. Terrific. Well, I want to say thank you so much for being with us today. Such an important topic. I learned a lot, and I'm sure some of our listeners did too. And I think in some cases, it probably is helpful to go back and re listen to some things because there's a lot of nuggets in there that. You know, I, I, I myself might need to listen to and kind of play out the logical conclusions of some of the many nuggets that you shared with us today. So, Stephen, thanks so much for being with us today. It was a delight having you. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for, thanks for having me. That's our show for this week. Thanks so much for listening, folks. And thanks especially to our guest this week, Stephen Clayton, the founder and CEO of NetBlaze, a digital marketing company. And we've been talking with him this week about the 80-20 rule of digital marketing to help businesses, small businesses in particular, make sure that they're investing their limited time and resources to get the best bang for that investment. So you can find more helpful information and resources on my website, globalocityservices.com. There's a library there of free blogs, tools, podcasts, and other resources. And because this show is for you, my listeners, the door is always open for comments, questions, suggestions, or just to shoot the breeze. You can always email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakes, plural, lakesradio.org. And I promise I'll respond. I'd love to hear from you. Now, be sure to join me next Saturday again at 11 Central Time, noon Eastern. We'll have another great guest and topic. But until then... I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneurship.